Welcome to another episode of the Geek Monty, a show where we strip geek culture beer, talk about our favourite movies, TV shows, and comic books. My name is Justin Arunchenham, and I'll be co-hosting with the fantastic Dwayne Valentino. That's right! Exactly what he said. <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> and later on, we'll do our recommendation of the week. Stay tuned and find out more. All right. So we're on number four now. This is uh, quite a milestone. And this is all whilst we've been on lockdown. So uh, I think I think we're doing quite well. What do you reckon? I think we're doing fantastic. So I think this has really given us something great to do. And we love doing this. We have so much fun doing this podcast and just talking about all our favorite geek type stuff. Everything else that's happening. Yeah. And so just to hit uh, a point up front, there is something we will address, but we're going to leave that until the last point of the show. But for now, we're going to get into our news and announcements for TV and film and for everything in between. Let's go. Now, big news in the last week or so was that James Mangold was to direct Indiana Jones 5. Yes, they're doing a fifth one. So previously we had Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and the infamous Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls. Very infamous, very infamous. <laughs> and I'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed it because um, I always see like the original films were set in the 1930s. So you had that 1930s pulp sort of action serial dramas that George Lucas was inspired by back in the day. So I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, is it my favorite? No, my favorite is always going to be Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. It was just really, really good. I really liked it. You mean with Mr. Sean Connery as his dad? Hello, James. Junior. 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 <laughs> uh, junior. I told you junior. not to put it down, Junior. What's this, Junior? Your name's Indy. Indiana was the dog. You named yourself after the dog? I had fun memories of that dog. What a great film. Brilliant, really. I, like I said, I love it. I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of The Crystal Skull. Certain aspects that I wasn't keen on. I really I liked it. And I'll see how this follows it up. Because Indiana Jones, we don't know what the storyline is. It hasn't been announced. But the film is meant to be out on July the 29th, 2022. The writers for Indiana Jones 5 is uh, Dave Capel. And Jonathan Castan. Jonathan Castan is the son of uh, Lawrence Castan, who famously wrote Empire Strikes Back. So he's renowned for that. James Mango, as many of you know, is uh, he directed Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, The Wolverine, Logan, and Copland. Yeah, he's of a great pedigree because his filmography in terms of like not only directing he's written a lot of the films so he's just a great writer director and producer in his own right and if you take a look at some of his films like Jess just mentioned he's also done Walk Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix the 310 to Yuma Night and Day with Tom Cruise so you know he's of a great pedigree and Logan arguably one of the best uh, Wolverine outings to finish the saga. So yeah, I'm totally excited and totally on board for him to be directing. Obviously everyone would like Stephen back in the helm, but this could prove just as good, I would say. Yes, very, very much so. And I mean, like you said, we talk about Logan. Uh, Logan is one of the greatest comic book of the last 10 years. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Indiana Jones 5, see what they do. I mean, we mentioned this before with the Star Wars. Dark Horse Comics had the comic book rights of Indiana Jones. So there were some great storylines, including one about the lost city of Atlantis, which wow. was so cool. Yeah, it was a really good story. So maybe, I mean, there's so much you can do with Indiana Jones. Uh, maybe uh, some of our listeners might be of a slightly younger age. So one thing I would recommend is look up the young Indiana Jones TV series. They were really, really good. They were back in the 90s. And he actually had Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones and talking about one of his adventures and stuff like that. So it was, I don't know if it's sort of same timeline with the films now because Disney bought it, 
But they're really a great fun series to watch. I really, really enjoyed it. So whatever they do with the new Indiana Jones, which I think they kind of relate Indy to whatever period it's in. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out with, say, Indiana Jones in the 70s, like the 1970s and such, because um, Harrison Ford will be in that age range right now. So, but, you know, he doesn't look like it. <laughs> and and I highly doubt, guys, that um, Shia will be making a return. So <laughs> depending on which side of the fence you sit, that's either a good thing or not such a good thing. Ah, yes, Mutz. I forgot about Mutz. Yeah, so, yeah, Shia, but, I mean... I think he was alright in the Crystal's Goal, but I think the characters probably were a lot very much underplayed and it could have been a much more development in that character. So we'll see how it goes with the next film. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, they could do what they could do is de age Harrison Ford and set it in still in the forties or sort of in the fifties and just do that. Or deep fake him. Deep fake him, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since that's such a thing now, right? The the CG is now the CG houses now have to deal with the fact that deep fake is almost nearly as good as what they can do. <laughs> yeah, that's it, my word. Yeah, I, I've just like some of the stuff I've seen. I was like, what, what? But um, one uh, moving on to one of our next subjects is uh, Labyrinth. Yes, Labyrinth. They are doing a sequel to Labyrinth. In the great yeah. words of Owen Wilson, wow. <laughs> Yeah, who, who would have thought? I mean... The lovely, delightful Jennifer Connelly must have been in her teens when she um, was in that role, alongside... The legend that is David Bowie. He was magical in that performance and his songs and characterization. I mean, I think a majority of the people who listen to our podcast would have seen Labyrinth. If you haven't, go and see it. Check it out. I'm sure it's on um, Netflix. It's usually on every Christmas or Easter. It is a classic. So the producers of um, this sequel will be Lisa Henson and Brian Henson. Now, Henson might be a very f- familiar name. The Henson, uh, Jim Henson Film Company, they originally did the original Labyrinth and they did Dark Crystal. Now, Jim Henson is a legend. He is a master. He created The Muppets, so um, Miss Piggy... Kermit the Frog, all those fantastic characters he created, um, and they went into films like like Labyrinth. And one of the producers, Brian Henson, was actually the voice of Hoggle in the original, the first Labyrinth movie. So it's kind of interesting that there's a full circle. Brian Henson also directed one of my favourite uh, Muppet films and my favourite version of this classic Charles Dickens story, The Christmas Carol. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and one of, because uh, Jim Henson and his wife had uh, a few a uh, few kids, and one of them, Lisa Henson, is now the CEO of the uh, Jim Henson Company, and she's going to be one of the producers as well with uh, her brother, Brian. And this script is being written by Maggie Levin. That's great. That's amazing. I mean, like... Just to have that level of legacy involved is just amazing. And I think that bodes well for the actual creation of this uh, sequel. It is a sequel, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything that has come across, it is a sequel. So, I mean, I don't know who they could have to recast Dave Bowie as the Goblin King. I can't think of anyone. Probably, probably Johnny Depp. Ah, now I was almost going to say he is unrecastable, the Goblin King, Bowie, because he was just absolutely brilliant. But that, sir, that is a great idea. Johnny Depp, I can see him doing perhaps not the same character, but something of that line and doing Mm -hmm. equally as incredible of a job. Yeah, I mean, one thing, though, I think Johnny Depp is a fantastic actor, and not just as his wacky characters, but even his serious roles, his hyphen, like, proper acting roles. He's, he's, He's a superb actor, but sometimes since playing Captain Jack, I've noticed him playing a similar type of character. It's like a little strain away from Captain Jack, Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. So I, I would love to see him, you know, him as Goblin King would be brilliant. It would be so, so good. But I would like to see him do an original character. You know, nothing that is quite anything similar to Jack Sparrow or anything else he's done before. 
So even if it's a new Goblin King, the Dewey character retired or something happened, or a friend did say, I don't know if you think this would be good, but um, Lady Gaga as maybe the Goblin Queen. Now, Lady Gaga has acted. She is a trained actor. I mean, she was in American Horror Story TV series at one point. And of course, uh, Bradley Cooper's wonderful film. The Star is Born, yes, indeed. So she has the acting chops. That I could definitely see as well. I mean, you've just pulled out two great possible casting opportunities. And if anyone's listening close enough to that production, I would say uh, think about it, guys, because those are two good possible choices. Like I said, I'll be very intrigued. I mean, there'll definitely be sort of the Muppet animation or Muppet characters you know, they'll still bring those characters in. There'll probably be an element of CGI, but what the Jim Henson Film Company did with the prequel series of Dark Crystals, they had sort of Muppet characters. You know, they had the puppets, they had all the original going back to basics. So I'm sure they'll do the same with this sequel. And Scott Derrison being director, who also directed Doctor Strange, it's going to be a very interesting... He's a really, really good director. I thought Doctor Strange was scary, but also funny. And I think you'll need that because Labyrinth had a hint of terror to it. He also comes from a line of, of directing a bunch of horror films. Uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose, Deliver Us from Evil, Sinister. So he knows his horror chops. Be very interesting to see what he does with something that the original was had moments of horror, but still appeased the sort of younger crowd. So it will be interesting to see how he strikes that balance. Very much so. Very much so. So just let our listeners know, Dwayne is much more of a horror aficionado than I am because I, I I tend to hide behind my pillow whilst watching horror films. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's so, fine. Uh, it's okay. Don't worry. We've got the lights on right now while we're recording. So, you know, just as long as yeah, it's not I, dark, Jess is fine. Yeah, like, like I, don't, I wouldn't watch The Exorcist at midnight or, so, or anything like that. But, I mean, like, horror genre, I do enjoy. But um, Dwayne is much more of an expert than I am. So, yeah, with, with Scott Derrison as the director for Labyrinth 2, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be intrigued to see. I'll see... I mean, it'd be nice to get a cameo of Jennifer Connelly. Maybe she's the mum and it's her daughter or her son gets taken into the Goblin Kingdom. You know, that might be a good idea. Or she has to go into the Goblin Kingdom to save her kids. You know, so that'll be cool. It'll be interesting to see how the, what they do with it. The film industry is very much, very much like a family at times and people still are connected and still... You know, you bring people back sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it happens. And I look forward to hearing more updates with it. Hell yeah. So we're going to go on to TV news. And we're going to talk about something of a major announcement that happened a couple of weeks ago. Where Ruby Rose exit Batwoman. CW's Batwoman. Which was a shock. Mainly because she is the lead character. She plays Kate Kane. Batwoman in the series. I've been watching it halfway. I'm halfway through the series right now, and I really enjoy it. I like her performance. Batwoman, her current incarnation in the comics, is very much what the TV series is. I've read some of the comics. I haven't read all of them. It's an interesting character, so I was quite shocked by it. And there's been a lot of speculation, and we don't know the full reasons. Um, Ruby Rose, in an announcement, said she thought long and hard about it it's something that she didn't decide lightly cw studios you know sort of felt the same and it was kind of like a mutual decision to depart ways it's kind of a full credit to them that they got the series done there was no onset news about any problems or stress on set or anything like that so i think both parties were very professional yeah, I mean, it's currently on a hiatus due to the pandemic. If anyone didn't realize the pandemic is still around. <laughs> so currently filming has been stopped. The reports are, and quite recently, by the way, that the showrunner, or at least one of the showrunners and creators of the show, uh, Caroline Dries, mentioned that the absence or the, the sort of exiting of Ruby Rose was obviously an unfortunate event and what, how they could basically tackle it story-wise and going forward. 
but how was that exactly? I'm sure you have some news on that. Just to let our listeners know, filming can be a very long experience, and filming in a TV series is very long hours. You're talking about 16, maybe 17 hour days. You're starting, maybe you might have to be at makeup and costume at six, maybe seven o'clock in the morning. If you have special effects makeup on, you could be there maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, and then you've got a whole day of filming. And sometimes when it requires filming, you take one scene. And then you're going to have to do the exactly same scene from a different angle. So therefore, you have to wait. The camera crew and everything and sound changes, moves around. They have to reset and then maybe do another shot. So it can be a very long process. It's an amazing experience to be in. It's fantastic, but it is a long process. And sometimes filming can be whole days. Now, if you're the lead, you're going to be pretty much there every day. And if you're doing a consistent 15-hour days from first thing in the morning to late at night, it can take a toll on you. So maybe she wasn't prepared. Maybe she's not used to the hours because she was known to do a lot of um, be featured into other TV series. But if you're featured, you might not be there for the whole week. You might be there for a couple of days and then you're off. So that could have been a factor. So it's, it's long hours and that might be a factor, but we might never know. What they're having to do now is they're left without the main star, let's say. So the the plan going ahead for season two is now to actually have an opportunity to reboot the whole show and cast another person in the role of Batwoman. Now, that other person will not be Kate Kane. That other person is rumoured to be Ryan Wilder, which is a younger, a younger girl of the LGBTQ community who has been inspired by Batwoman. Currently, there's no information to say whether she is related to Kate Kane or even a DC character in the sort of DC world. She could just be someone completely brand new. But a showrunner has gone on record in saying that she could have taken a soap opera treatment to the role and basically recast someone else as Kate Kane. So the next season, we would have seen a different face. And various soap operas have done that. Uh, one comes to my mind is uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> with Aunt Viv. <laughs> Maybe you guys might remember that. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the smartest thing they've done in that show, just to go off on a tangent, is that they actually drew the point that the character has changed, which I thought was just a brilliant, absolute brilliant decision, you know? Uh, very very anyway. funny it's like yeah they they done it it's like I remember it it's like oh Viv you look different there's something different about you but, <laughs> you know didn't try to sweep it underneath the carpet no, no. <laughs> and as Dwayne was saying and talking about uh, a new character taking over the, the mantle of the bat now Dwayne just mentioned this kind of breaking news and I was like oh okay didn't expect that didn't see that Kate Kane is a quite a big character in the comics as lead lesbian character is a major a major factor especially for a tv series i would say it's a very big breakthrough for mainstream tv now the cw shows and the sort of superhero shows people might not it's a, it is a niche market still but it's become very popular the flash arrow marvel characters tv shows and such like to have a lesbian character as a lead that's a really big thing and for representation that's that's a fantastic thing i applaud that CW, the sort of Arrowverse, have a lots of gay, lesbian, queer characters in their series, and it's great. But it depends how they do it, depends how the character is, and how they play it, and how they make it work. I'll, I'll give it, you know, see, see how they do it. But I wouldn't have a problem if they recast the character, you know. One of the main addressed reasons by Caroline Dries was that if they rebooted it, it gave what Ruby Rhodes has done thus far, it, it left it alone. It left her work alone and it gave respect to what she's done on the show. If they would have put in a new face as the same character, perhaps that might have, let's say, interrupted her legacy, you know, what she's been able to do so far. So that that was one of the reasons, um, I might add. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I mean, that's professional and kind of respect and lead. And so I can't see any problems with that. It's just... For a character point of view, in the comics, there's been other characters that's played or become Batman. Uh, Dick Grayson, who was the first Robin who took over the mantle of Bat. Paul Valley, 
another character took over the mantle of Bat. Even Superman has become Batman in some of the comics. So it's not been the first time that's happened, but it would have been nice to see the progression of, you know, Kate Kane's character in the series. But if it's kind of a soft reboot, then let's see how it goes. Let's see what they do. They've got a great supporting cast. They've got such a canvas to go in. The whole Batman universe in CW hasn't really been touched upon. Hasn't really been... There have been hints and stuff like that. Bruce Wayne's been mentioned. We've seen an incarnation of Bruce Wayne in the Crisis of Infinity Earth event series in CW being portrayed and played live action for the first time. And this, this was amazing to see which was uh, Kevin Conway, who is the voice of Batman in the animated series. So we've seen it. So whoever they cast, good luck to them. We wish you all the best. And we'd like to see how this new incarnation of Batman comes about and how it, it grows. Hear, hear. So there was some breaking news in the last couple of weeks where Henry Cavill is returning into the DC world as Superman. Now, still speculation. It is still probably under negotiation, as they say in the business. Um, this will be amazing. I mean, Henry was it was a fantastic incarnation of Superman. I honestly don't think he was given really full credit and a full, proper go as Superman. So the Man of Steel, you saw him develop, and you didn't really see him be Superman. He was only really in the film Superman for a day, where he kind of trashed half of Metropolis. But we'll talk less about that. The old 100,000 demise of a bunch of yeah. metropolites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just like, yeah. sorry guys. But it's, <laughs> but yeah. it's one of those things where, and in Batman vs. Superman, with the Justice League, you kind of saw him like almost be like the Christopher Reeves type sort of Superman. The Superman that we all know and love. You know, I don't think you've really seen him be Superman. So, But... What is being speculated is he won't be featured in his own film. He'll be used for other films. So we'll see how that goes. I would love to see him in a, in a film just about him develop that character a bit more. Absolutely. Um, obviously, there are some true fans of what Henry was able to do as Superman. And I'm in that category because, honestly, I thought there was a lot of possibility when Henry was involved. I mean, he certainly looked apart, right? Like, no one can deny oh, yeah. that. He looked like Superman, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah the, the look, the his <laughs> physique and everything. It was like, it was Superman, the haircut, the smile. Right. Um, let's, let's not go with the whole Justice League mustache gate, sort of upper lip. <laughs> yeah, sort. yeah. We can devote a whole podcast to just that, you know, if we really wanted to. That, that would I'm, be I'm sure there, there are podcasts <laughs> dedicated to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, he, he was he was great. I I just like to see him giving it a chance because Man Still, like we talked about this before, Man Still was in a very interesting take in the uh, Superman mythos for a very modern, maybe some can say cynical world. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see how it goes. There has been speculation in recent last few days or so that J.J. Abrahams will be directing a, a Superman film. That has not been confirmed. There was always different ideas and different takes on the whole Superman mythology and everything else. You know, I think he, he was good. I just give him the chance because, unfortunately, DC has had a history of a lot of stops and starts and some of their films, plan films and everything hasn't come to fruition, which is a shame because as, as, as I said, I'm a much bigger DC fan than Marvel. I love Marvel. Marvel's fantastic, but I'm a much bigger fan of DC and I feel like DC has some, some of the greatest like comic book characters that you can easily bring on screen. Yeah, let's, let's see how, if that's the case, even if it's Henry Cavill is like sort of cameoed into certain films, I'm sure with Shazam, Two or the Black Adam film to see The Rock versus Henry Cavill Superman would be pretty amazing to see on big screen. Dwayne, I think you would agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, come on, another one. It would have been amazing, right? Very much so. Very much so. And I, I really enjoyed Shazam. Shazam was a such a fun film to watch. So I look forward to see 
how that turns out. Absolutely. We'll keep you posted, guys. So that is the news and segment of our podcast. Our next segment, we're going to talk in detail about major developments, and it's going to be DC, and it's going to be the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. The Zack Snyder Cut! Yeah, the Zack Snyder Cut. So when you go into your barbers, <laughs> ask for the Zack Snyder Cut. They will give you an, an amazing haircut and you'll walk out thanking us, trust me. <laughs> no, no. I'm in, t- I'm in tears now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right? Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> now, another thing is like with film, filmmaking is such a... A mammoth job and sometimes you film so much and you're gonna have to cut things take things rearrange things studio might say you know we want this film to be two hours long now if it's two hours long that means in the cinemas you can put the film on longer time you can have it more time therefore it screens more than people buy tickets and they get more revenue so sometimes having long films doesn't always work out but with Zack Snyder he had this massive vision of the Justice League and the whole sort of DC universe. So regarding the timeline... Yeah, so here's an interesting thing about the Snyder Cut. Here's a little breakdown. I mean, you can find many breakdowns. So right now, we got a little timeline breakdown. As Jess was mentioning, things like this in the film industry do happen. So it kind of started almost two years ago. The original Justice League came out in 2017, right? Since then, there has been this momentum slowly being built. So there was talk about his version of his cut and the fact that he had filmed next to four hours worth of footage. And when the tragic, very tragic situation happened with his daughter, he had to leave the project. Now, the studio chose to bring in Joss Whedon. And having looked at the cut and having looked at the four hours, they were trying to obtain about two, two, two and a bit hours from it. They brought in Joss Whedon because they know he's he's a person who, you know, brings in the banter and is able to instill that sort of fun ensemble type of thing into the proceedings. Which he did do. He went, He came on board. He wrote, rewrote certain parts, reshot certain parts. That happened. And Snyder's vision was more of a broody drama. And then it came out in 2017. And, well, we all know what the critics and fans said about that, unfortunately. This is no dig to Joss Whedon, by the way. Although fans, although some fans would probably have it a different way of saying, but us over here, we, we don't throw blame. Anyway, so onto the release of it. Just to be up front, there was actually no cut, no Snyder cut, no fully formed Snyder cut. It was four hours worth of footage and a rough semblance of like a two hour something movie where no visual effects were really involved. And it was the rough cut of things. So there was actually no finished cut. Everyone's talking about Snyder having made a cut. That's uh, it's, it, just to pull it up front. It was no absolute finished film. So from that, we enter 2019. Snyder cut has been on the internet. It's been sort of slowly gathering a lot of uh, hands and a, a lot of people have been slowly adding to it. Part of the cast decided to add to it. And that was Gail Gadot. Yep. 2019 which was last year she in november joined in with a hashtag that started to be around which was release the snyder cut hashtag release the snyder cut so she on her social media on her instagram showed a picture uh, from the film and hashtag release the snyder cut then that gained support from the other actors in the film Ben Affleck as uh, Batman, of course, um, also tweeted um, in November, released a Snyder Cut. That was followed by Jason Momoa, and that was last year. So move on now, there was still talks about there being a possible cut that everyone could see. And again, just to reiterate, there was never a finished, fully formed version of, of what Snyder done. It was always in a rough format. It was always in a rough form. 
clearly points changed and we'll go into more detail a little bit later. So from then, he chose to use his social media, which was uh, called Vero. Yeah. And he had the anniversary, right? Vero? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Vero, yeah. Yeah, and there was the anniversary of the Man of Steel and it was a watch party for the Man of Steel. So in this sort of live event, he answered some questions afterwards. So it was a Q&A for the after party. Fans haven't watched a Man of Steel. So in that Q&A, obviously, he was asked about the Snyder Cut and his version of events for Justice League. And he confirmed with everyone that he will be doing a virgin. And Warner Media, who are responsible for creating and, and making the streaming platform HBO Max, have given him 20 to 30 million. We're, we're unsure about the exact figure, right? <laughs> That extra budget involves um, more visual effects, score, but it doesn't involve getting the actors back in and doing any uh, like necessarily new new particular scenes. Any of the main actors, mm -hmm. I believe, that's the stipulation. Well, I I did hear that they might do some sort of voice sort of um, RDA or ADR. Um, ADR. My apologies. ADR. ADR. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> ADRs, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so ADR, exactly. Just as uh, Jess said, the actors can come in and, and do some voice work, some ADR. So that brings us right up to the current timeline, which is to say it's been confirmed by him. The statements have been released by Warner Brothers and essentially everything's a go. And the release date of that is roughly 2021, which is next year. And that will be released exclusively on the streaming platform HBO Max. We're unsure about the UK date right now because that streaming platform is yet to be confirmed when it will be available to the UK okay, audience. Okay, brilliant. And that is, uh, that's our current time. Cool. I mean, that, that's, as Dwayne was saying, that's, uh, this movement has been like for nearly two years, and it's got massive backing. All the main stars have supported it and understood where it was coming from. I think um, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, he's been very much in support of uh, Zack Snyder. He hasn't done much film work. He's much is more a theatre actor. And this was a very much a big break. And to me, Ray Fisher's performance as Cyborg was one of the strongest performances in the entire film. Oh, absolutely agree. And the great thing about him was that, like Jess said, he never had any feature film um, roles and they took a chance on someone like that. And I thought that was amazing. He was meant to feature more heavily that differ from um, what Wendon essentially released versus what Snyder was intentionally going to release. Yes, very much so. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the story points. Now, it is speculative, and this would be somewhat spoilish. So this is still like what is meant to be. So we don't actually know exactly what's going to be featured in the Zack Snyder cut, how much is. Like Dwayne said, there's 20 or 30 million that's going to be put in the special effects it's going to render in and everything else. So there's a lot of stuff that might still not be in the Zack Snyder cut, but this is the sort of things that, that's become apparent, especially from what Zack Snyder has posted throughout the last couple of years and what other people have mentioned. So Steppenwolf. Now, Steppenwolf is a good character, but unfortunately, visually, he looked like more like a computer game character, like the the, the CGI. It wasn't it wasn't finished, and you can tell it wasn't. Clint's hand, who voiced him, is a brilliant actor. If anyone ever gets a chance to watch uh, Rome, see that he played Julius Caesar, if I recall correctly, and he's done quite a few other stuff for years. And Steppenwolf was predominantly a sort of secondary sort of character in in the comics he's dark sides one of dark sides minions steppenwolf and the invasion of earth which is featured in the justice league film which we see clips where steppenwolf comes in and attacks men and fights the lanterns and fights the the amazons and you know the old gods that initially was meant to be uh, dark side dark side was meant to be that character and Zack Snyder recently put a picture of uh, Darkseid. Now, Darkseid is DC equivalent 
of um marvel's thanos <laughs> yes thank you sir thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> it's like hold on. marvel's thanos. thanos yes and <laughs> and it was a lot of people was like no oh, they look the same and stuff like that okay comic books dc and marvel and stuff like that they inspire each other so therefore you might have very similar characters and villains like you have green arrow you have Hawkeye. Both characters use bows and arrows. So Darkseid is the sort of, like, of villains. He is the top one. If Superman's the apex of DC characters, Darkseid is equal. I just want to also interject that Darkseid technically in comic book history actually came before Thanos. He is DC's kind of deity character, but like he was created before so yes thanos actually took influence from dark side so yeah. anyway carry on yeah 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 no no it's fine perfect i was i always always mention that i always say like actually you know dc came dc was before marvel you know sort of thing <laughs> so yeah i mean he was meant to be in the fight he would lead a battle and you know it was actually cyborg's vision because cyborg was connected and could see such things and you were seeing sort of other characters in that you briefly see some Green Lanterns, there's much more longer scenes. You were seeing like the old gods, which was all the like Ares, all, all the, the, the sort of Amazons, the Greek gods, and the Olympians, that's what they were called, the Olympians, that kind of preceded the Greek gods. So you had all those much bigger epic battle on scale. So that would have been amazing to see in Dark Side. Steppenwolf's character's motivation, you would have seen much more and reason why we invaded Earth. And one of the things you would have seen with Steppenwolf is his death wasn't... So in the, in the Justice League film, he gets terrified and the his minions f- smell fear and they're attracted by fear. So when you saw that, that's where they take him in. But in Zack Snyder's original film, it was much darker where... Steppenwolf gets impaled by uh, Aquaman's trident, Syntex, and then gets decapitated by Wonder Woman's sword. This is brilliant. Sword. Just, you know, then, like, this is dark, both dark, but also brilliant. So, so, so anyway, go on. I'm, I'm just a little excited. Yeah. Go on, explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So basically, that was it. So you would have seen Steppenwolf's head roll through the boom tube at, at the roll of Darkseid's feet. And then you would have seen, the League would have seen Darkseid through the boom tube. Now, the boom tube in DC is a, a portal where you can go from one galaxy to the others. That and Apocalypse. Apocalypse is a um, hell on Earth, basically. It's Darkseid's residence. It's um, it's literally hell. It's um, DC's representation of hell. It's iconic. It's brilliant. It would have been an amazing scene. So that epic fight, you know, you would have seen because... I remember me being the nerd I am. I used to read so much about the newspapers or uh, film magazines, and they'll talk about the characters in. And I, I always remember little tidbits and stuff like that, which wasn't featured in the film. But one of the um, going just back before to- you do, just let our audience know that the importance of uh, Steppenwolf's head in Zack's uh, original version of events rolling at Darkseid's um, feet and Darkseid realizing his head was um, decapitated was that Steppenwolf, he is related to Darkseid, just so we know. Like, it, it's it's important to point yes. that out. There's, there's yeah. a relation it's, there. It's, yeah. He's a family member. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's his, his uncle, basically. What? So So it's like... Yeah, it's it's he's a general and he's dark side elite and he's yeah he's he's family so he's the uncle. Shut the, the door. Side. So there's indeed indeed it's one of those things where, as they say, it's a family affair. So um, <laughs> that it is. But um, as we were going about Cyborg and his his installments, well, there's some some great uh, stuff where one of the sequence is where you see him as Victor Stone. And he's playing American football in Gotham City University. And he's there to impress his mum, Elena Stone. And this is a really good, interesting sequence. It was in the credits. It was in the opening credits. But in Snyder's version, he would have gave it more of a expanded scene. And we would have seen it played out. 
and the scene would have been a lot better. But I think, am I right in saying that we've got ourselves a, a, a celebrity, folks? We've got ourselves a bit of a celebrity because oh, while we're talking okay. about that particular scene, I believe a, a certain somebody happened to be on set of that particular scene. <laughs> Not myself. So I, I, <laughs> that would be myself. That would be myself. Yes. Uh, Spill the beans. Uh, just, just, Spill uh, the was, beans. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, just like as I was doing some filming for that, it was an amazing experience. Uh, we did like four days worth of filming, and it was in in Warner Brothers Studios in Shepparton. Uh, it's the sequence where it's we we're talking about where it's the football match, and there was like hundreds of hundreds of extras and a lot of them were my mates so it's always good to catch up with people and it was uh, fantastic they were like inside they were raining and atmospheric and the crew was really lovely and you know zach was nice to everyone and fantastic sequence to see um ray fisher i will always respect him because he because uh, when i was in the film i was a background artist and as we were coming down, he would say to the um, background artists, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, guys. Thank you to, to everyone who kind of came down. And that showed the, the type of character he was. And I've always got a lot of respect for him. And I've seen some of the pictures online. It looks so good. It really, really looks good. So I'll be very intrigued to see if he's that sequence and see if I can spot myself because it was pretty cool because I ended up having a sort of Gotham City cap and Gotham City jacket and I kind of really wanted to bring one back but no get into trouble but yeah, it was it was cool and you know it was, it was really good days of shooting especially with especially former friends but um so before long we're gonna have to be getting Jess on a plane to do the podcast because clearly if he's in movies like that you know <laughs> it's going to be harder for us to get together and do this thing so if it changes guys don't I worry will. it's not my fault blame the star <laughs> blame my schedule darling yes love it love it yeah i mean whatever, whatever happens this was going to be one of my priorities i love doing this it's so much fun so with with cyborg there's a lot more um scenes he was involved uh, like you'll find out why he he ends up being like that afterwards his mum's there he's driving back and he gets a bit angry because his dad's not there and they cause a car crash killing his mum so there's that tragically there's that real like ache and pain of the tragedy of losing your mum and everything you know that gives that sort of weight to the characters so you see why because in the initial scenes he's very much a sort of fun loving character but you'll see why in the film why he's such a serious character why he kind of shuts himself off you know and then there's a sequence that was featured in batman versus superman where you see his dad silas stone using the mother box to get cyborg back because that's part of his mythos is why he's all got all these cybernetics is because his dad is a scientist and kind of made him into sort of a cyborg hence his name so it's a much darker where there are storyboards where his dad perish so there's a lot of tragedy in his life in this, but there's a lot of great sequences where you'll see him develop and where he learns how to fly. And some people might realize in the trailer, you see sequences that weren't in, even in the film. So they'll give you a little bit more explanations. Another um, segment is The Flash. Now, we were going to have a Kirstie Clemens as Iris West. That would have been would have been sort of Barry Allen's future girlfriend. Unfortunately, she was cut out in the cinematic release. And what we were seeing was Barry saving Iris' life. You would have seen a little bit more of Barry and his development and what he would have done and used for. And also a flashback again with the Batman vs Superman, where you see. Barry Allen goes back in time using the cosmic treadmill, which is part of the Flash mythology and lore. Also, we've, we've seen for the first time William Dafoe as Vulcan, Aquaman's um, aide and sort of um, sort, sort of like his Aquaman's um, mentor, mentor and sort of like Alfred sort sort of thing. And it would have been the first time you've seen William Dafoe's character. One thing that was revealed, a character that was featured in the first Man of Steel movie and even into Batman vs Superman was General Swansick, played by Henry Lennox, would have been revealed to be the Martian Manhunter. 
Interestingly, Zack Snyder shared with us a storyboard sequence where he was going to include a scene with the Martian Manhunter and it involved Martha Kent and Lois Lane. In that sequence, Lois Lane ends up turning into the Martian Manhunter at the end of it, just to reveal himself. So General Swanswick is actually Martian Manhunter and he also knows Clark is Superman. He would have been interesting to kind of allude to bigger events. Yeah, I mean, when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that would have been so cool. I was like, that would have been so cool to see on, on the big screen. Because Marshall Manhunt has been featured in Smallville and in Supergirl, and brilliantly acted by all the actors who, who portrayed him. Another uh, character, just to kind of wrap up the characters and and some of the changes, or the, the what would have been, is um, you would have got Zack Kai, who, uh, Zhang Kai, my apologies, to play Ryan Choi was an actor called Zhang Chai, and he would have been the Atom. You would have seen him with Cyborg's dad in Star Labs, as he was a scientist. Now, the Atom is known as Ray Palmer, who has the ability to shrink himself. And in the comics... Ryan Choi was a student of Ray Palmer, and he took on the mantle. So it would have been really cool to see that as well. So you had all these little Easter eggs that would have led up to other films. Yeah, <laughs> you know, could it have been overpacked? Possibly, but like the Easter eggs done well could have been really cool as well. I, I think it would have probably would have worked. Would have just been little tips of the hat kind of thing. Very much so, very much so. Yeah, I just, I just think it would have been great. Also, Jesse Eisenberg and Joe Malatoni, who, uh, as Lex Luthor and Slade Wilson, had bigger roles in the film, and not just the little cameos at the post-credit scene. Yeah, and it was kind of like hints towards the rise of the Injustice League, you know, with um, Lex Luthor and Deathstroke. It would have been just brilliant to see that happen on the big screen so like i said i mean going to like the pros and cons with the film i think it would be great i mean it's gonna be they'll try polish it as much as possible it would have been interesting I think first assignment is work on the uh, steppenwolf's vfx they can much. probably start there i would say <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah. um just a little yeah because even i was like kind of looks like a video game quality you know not saying Video games are bad quality, but there is a difference between the film version. So it would be great to see Steppenwolf be sort of the CGI. It would be just on par with that. You know, it might not, it still might not be a good film. Do you know what I mean? It might not be, it might be just too bogged down with a lot of stuff. I kind of felt that with Batman versus Superman. They kind of put too much storylines in it. But, um, you know, I mean, I, not saying it was an awful film. I watched it recently. I really enjoyed it. But it was still quite bogged down with a lot of different storylines. They could have cut things and taken certain things off. No, I, I think it's going to be great for the fans, especially as what we've said from day one with the podcast, with current events, there's always something to look forward to. There's always something to do. There's always something to plan. Say, so I want to see this film at the end of the year. Oh, we've got this new version of Justice League. That's going to be exciting to see next year you know things to look forward to so that's definitely a pro i'm in agreement it's still something that's going to be exciting to view and you know when it finally arrives the story choices and the plot choices that snyder's gonna make it will still be interesting to see um the extended version of batman versus superman was cool i think it added to it did it need to exist i think so i haven't seen that i haven't seen that i have to it's definitely one i need to check out the extended what, what did they kind of extend it by? They just spent a little more time, let's say, certain characters. You want to develop them and you want to allow their story arcs to kind of breathe a little bit. Fortunately, that's kind of what the extended version does, Bella. And that's why it's a little more enjoyable in my books. So we shall see with the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Very much so. So that's our little take on the Snyder Cut. Excellent. One, cool. one also, one other possible thing to add, something that is worth mentioning is a lot of the fans created this online petition and it had about over 170,000 actual signatures. 
there is this view that if the fans get behind things, is it possible to force the studios to go back in and essentially cave into the fans? And Snyder's cut and that petition got over 170,000. Now, Game of Thrones, Game of <laughs> Thrones season eight, that everyone is, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are complaining about, that got over 300,000. And it was a petition wow. made to redo the actual series itself. And what did HBO say? Guess what HBO Ooh. said? Nope. So nope. fandom is good, but also it does come with its possible... Could since quote Star Wars, is there's a light side and there's a dark. Right. There we go. Perfectly said. I'll leave that there. <laughs> so one of the biggest things regarding Zack Snyder cut is Superman. Now, Superman was meant to be much darker. There's very much speculation he was a villain, one of the villains. When he was retrieved, he was kind of gone crazy. He didn't know what was going on. And that was hinted at with Batman's nightmare in Batman vs. Superman. The sequence where he goes to the memorial place and he fights off the rest of the league, that was meant to be set at night and with the army as well. And another major thing is that, and there's, there has been pictures of uh, Henry Cavill, the famous dark Superman suit. Now, going back, we're going to go back. We're going back where it all came from. So back in the early 90s, there's two major events. You had Nightfall, where Batman's back was broken by a character called Bane. Bane was featured in uh, Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, uh, played by um, Tom Hardy. And then you had the death of Superman, or actually which was called Doomsday. Doomsday was the character that was featured in Batman vs. Superman, hence his death. In the comics, the reign of Superman that came afterwards, there was um, four different interpretations of Superman. There was like a Superboy, there was a Man of Steel, there was like a Cyborg type of thing, not like the Cyborg from what we talked about, but a different kind of Cyborg. And then you had a sort of, which was almost like a clone of Superman. And then you had Superman himself. The Superman himself, it was slightly changing character. He had long curly hair, it was much, it looked very much, very 90s kind of style. And he wore a black suit, and that was helping him to regenerate. And you would have seen Henry Cavill wearing that very famous suit. So, in the infamous, you know, so many of these images have appeared online. But just to also add, those images are all fake. They have all been doctored. There was never, as far as we know, and as far as all the reports tell us, there was actually, he wasn't ever shot in that suit. Could he be shot in that suit? Yes, but there's been no official reports that he was shot in that suit. So a lot of people done a lot of Photoshop work on those pictures to create online. Yes, the the dark Superman version. Yeah, so it would have been very interesting to see that take. Um, apparently, the sequence, the battle sequence, he didn't have any lines. It was just like Superman going crazy because he he's so disoriented. He's suddenly become alive. So that would have been a really interesting sequence to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this version and see how, what they do with it and everything else. Because one of the things it was revealed was the Justice League was formulating how to re revive Superman without tr transforming him into another Doomsday. It was revealed that the growth codex that's inside Superman's cells would prevent his cells from destabilizing and keeping Kryptonian. So he would have been, he just has this rejuvenative powers and abilities. Yeah, so watch out guys, the Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut. It, it's a jingle, by the way. <laughs> watch out for that. That'll be out sometime next year. We'll await with bated breath to see what his vision is finally going to be like. Moving on, we got our recommendations for the week. And it comes in the shape and form of, yet again, another Josh Gad Zoom Parley. Zoom right. Parley. So, um, he's been brilliant. He's done some great stuff. A few weeks ago, he did one with the uh, cast of Splash, which is a classic 80s 
romantic fantasy with uh, starring um, Tom Hanks and directed by Ron Howard. If you get a chance, check it online. It's on Disney Plus because it was a Disney film that produced it back in the day. It's a really good 80s film. So if you get a chance, watch it. But this week, recent week, there was, well, let's just say it was one Zoom to rule them all. Yes. It was the fellowship. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It was the fellowship of the ring. It was about the Lord of the Rings trilogy and it was the best one yet amazing i mean you know the epics that is the lord of the rings trilogy so we had most of the cast members and i can confirm shun bean was one of them the man who if dying on film was oscar worthy he would have been nominated and probably been on his third oscar by now (laughs) but definitely it was an amazing event to kind of paraphrase for the Sean Bean, one doesn't go dying lightly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was really good. It was really funny because they got Sean Austin and Josh, and Sean's like, dude, come on, man. Like, we've just done the Goonies one. Why do you need me? And like, there's a lead off where he kind of makes hints about the fellowship. And he's like, oh, oh, you want that? You want that? And he's like, Oh, come on. And so they got it. And it isn't interesting because... Uh, yeah, and uh, Sh- suddenly... <laughs> Sean Austin's had such a revival right now, right? Like, he's had his part yeah. in Stranger Things, and now these past oh, two... Yes. Right, just in case if you didn't remember. <laughs> and now he's he's been a part of these two huge Zoom parties for, uh, you know, amazing big films. Yeah, and, and these, these um, Zooms are for charity, mainly for American charities because of this pandemic and it's it's just it brings everyone together and yeah they brought everyone in they had peter jackson every member of the cast was there and it it was just like a bunch of friends a bunch of friends who haven't seen each other for a long time and it was just it was it's just a delight to to watch that and um, elijah wood was there vita mortensen uh, like everyone lived tyler was there Sean Bean? Unfortunately, Kate Blanchett wasn't it. But uh, Dominic Monaghan, Billy Boy, John Reese Davis. Now, John Reese Davis was fantastic in it because there is a sequence where they get all their props. So it was just fun to see. And they do a nice tribute to Christopher Lee, the great actor that is Christopher Lee. And then you had uh, Andy Circus doing his amazing Gollum. And you can see everyone else. Just smiling, or even when it's uh, Sir Ian McKinnon saying his lines, everyone's just like watching him because they just—they're they're fans themselves. They love it, and you can see it. You can see it when actors are fans themselves, and they're just like, "Oh, this is really cool! I'm I'm doing this." And so, if anyone gets these things, are great. These zooms have been brilliant, and this one's about an hour long, so they go into great depth. And Peter Jackson was there, who directed it. And um, Fran Walsh, who wrote it, they talk about this, the film. They talk about what they did and how they did it, and what casting process was. And like, you know, they even had Carl Urban in this as well. One really sweet, they're doing like they're doing scenes. They're doing scenes that they did with each other. So you got John Reese Davis and Orlando Bloom doing their scenes together. He's got his helmet. He's like, okay, let me just move the camera so he looks right. <laughs> so he moves it up so you just see half his face and it's like him on the wall on the two towers bit. And that's a funny sequence. It's just fun. The banter and everything else. So if you get a chance, watch it. It's such a delight. Watch, watch. it, guys. You will not be disappointed. We'll stop there with giving you little bits that happen in it. That's our recommendation. Now... As Dwayne mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there's been certain events that's happened in the past couple of weeks, very tragic events, which has um, spearheaded a, a movement. It's the Black Lives Matter. And like I said, this, this podcast is about fun. It's about enjoying yourself, having a good time. Now, something I've always felt with science fiction and fantasy is the possibility of being better, a very good future. And one of the things I love about Star Trek is shows humanity overcoming its, its prejudice, overcoming its, its um, racism, and 
You initially see it in the 1960s. There's a classic episode where it deals with that. And it, it carries on throughout different incarnations of Star Trek and in other things. And um, just want to alliterate that even things is quite bad at the moment, but there's been a an amazing show of solidarity throughout the world. And we just want to say, like, even though things are looking bad, there's always good. There's always light on the other side. And tomorrow will be a better day. Absolutely. And including each other into, you know, what we know as, you know, our broader sense of humanity is, is what we're about. We just want to make sure that here it's about inclusiveness. It's just about what makes us human and what makes us better. That's that's something we like to keep close. Just to wrap things off, you can follow us on Twitter, the underscore Geek Monty. So check us out on uh, on that on Twitter. Give us feedback. Let us know what you think of our episodes. We always love to hear from you and grow from your comments. Also, you can check us out on SoundCloud, Geek Monty. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure uh, doing this. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Until next time, Geek On. Geek On, guys. Geek On. And remember, Snyder Cut.